Welcome to season two of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman, and the song you just heard is Good As Hell by Lizzo, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Brittany Da Silva. So Brittany is a registered dietitian and owns her own business called Freedom Nutrition Academy. With Freedom Nutrition Academy, you can get one-on-one coaching and find a plan designed specifically for you to help you hit your goal weight. She also provides advice on how to better your mindset and create healthy, sustaining habits that will give you confidence in your daily life. Brittany also served in the Army and was actually an intern for the New York Jets. More information about Brittany, Freedom Nutrition Academy, and how to get a hold of her can be found in the show notes. That being said, please sit back, relax, and enjoy Brittany Da Silva. Are you going to stay in Jersey? New Jersey, I should say. Yeah, I think so. I mean, my husband's, he's a teacher here and the benefits are really great. And then with me having my own business, it's just been a really awesome like system for us because Mm -hmm. I'm covered with great insurance under him and everything is just easy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you know, like people say, oh, you have your own business. Okay. So you can move or like basically that you can move wherever. And it's like, it's not that easy though. Cause you have this client base that you built up where you're at and it's just not that easy to just yeah. start over basically just cause you can, doesn't mean you should. Yeah. The thing about it here is like New Jersey teachers get paid really well Good. and they have great benefits. Mm-hmm. And so like my husband got three months paternity leave. Nice. Yeah. And then they're, they're also great for veterans. They give us like tax breaks and we're both veterans and they give us each tax breaks. So there's just a lot of things to think about, like, cause virtually coaching, like everything I do is completely virtual. So I really could go anywhere, but at the expense of what we lose all those things. Hmm. I didn't know you were all virtual. Do you, so do you do any in person? No, no, no. Is that that's that seems nice but also like not nice at times like i feel like cuz like i do therapy and sometimes it's nice to be in person i yeah. don't mind doing it over you know but sometimes it is nice yeah yeah so. i like the convenience i find it's really convenient for people mm-hmm. um how often do you go to therapy do you go like weekly or once a month uh, i just recently switched to every other week so Um, yeah. So most of my clients I meet with on a weekly basis. And so it's nice that it's virtual because it's a lot and that helps me like help them build consistency with their habits and improving over time. Yeah. Do you do any like multiple times a week? Uh, no, no, no. So you just meet once a week and is it, do you like send them workouts and stuff? 
Um, some, some clients I do workouts with, um, programming. I, um, I have my, uh, my master's is in exercise science. And so I did learn all of that stuff, how to do programming. Um, but I don't market that. Like, I don't put that side of stuff on my social media because it's a lot of work to create programming for everybody. And I don't want to be doing that for everybody. I already do so much with nutrition and the amount of accountability and support I provide them behind the scenes. It's like, it's a lot. So, yeah. 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 So I guess, sorry, let me back up and start from the beginning. Like, so obviously went to the same high school and then what did you do out of high school? I went to the military. I started away. Uh, no, right after high school, I went to Iowa state university Hmm. for kinesiology and health and really? I got, mm-hmm. yeah, so I got a four-year degree there. Um, I was in the athletic training program, mm-hmm. but I did it for like a year and a half and I just didn't love it. And I also saw the amount of hours, the athletic trainers that worked at the university put in, it's just mm-hmm. a ton of work and they didn't really get paid a whole lot either. So I was like, do I really want to do this? <laughs> Cause I mean, I would see the trainers, uh, wives come to like football practice and bring their kids to say goodnight to daddy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's just not the life I envisioned for yeah. myself. And then I graduated with my degree and was like, well, now what? I have all these student loans because yeah. I took out loans for all of college and uh, I didn't know what to do because physical therapy, my grades weren't that great to get into physical therapy school. So I was just like, Ugh. but both my brothers had served in the army mm-hmm. and it's like, well, maybe if I go into the military, it will lead me down a path that'll work out for me. So that's how I joined the military. Really? I, I guess I did had no idea. I just didn't, I totally forgot that you went to Iowa state for four years. Yeah. You no, know, yeah. you were going like, when did you start getting a sense that you want to do like physical therapy or exercise science or kinesiology at that point? Like when anyway. you like, in high school. Yeah. Cause I was really, I loved like sports. I played sports like almost every single season, you <laughs> yeah. know, small town, you get to play in every, every sport, yeah. but it was, uh, during high school, um, uh, two of my cousins both went to Iowa state for athletic training uh-huh. and it was a really great program. And they both had really cool, um, success. Uh, the one actually got to intern with, um, the Portland, it was Portland trailblazers with them. And I was like, Whoa, that's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of followed in my footsteps and, or followed in their footsteps to go there and do that. But it just ended up not being my, my thing. So. Yeah. Was it hard? Like to decide to go into the army? It sounds like it was pretty easy, but it also like was an unknown. I mean, you had this degree and now you're like, well, I guess I'll go into the army and that's not really using your degree. You you don't know. See what I'm saying? Like they're just. Yeah. So when I went into the military, I had my four year degree already and I ended up going in enlisted because I could have gone in as an officer. Um, When you go in, if you have a degree, you can go Mm -hmm. in as an officer. But the amount of student loan debt that I had, it was better for my, uh, for myself to go in enlisted route because of the student loan repayment, the, the benefits at that time, it was like either, or for me. So I got the student loan repayment and got to pay off all my student loans, which 
set me up better than going in the officer route where I might've got paid more, had better rank, right? But I would have had to pay those loans off on my own. Gotcha. And so then what did you do when you, when you enlisted? Like, what was your, what was your role? Yeah. So I wanted to go into the medical field, but. Right. Obviously, at, yeah. Yeah. But at MEPS down in Des Moines, uh, when I was there to sign up, they said there were no medical jobs available at that time. And they told me about this job as an intelligence analyst. And my recruiter from like back home was like, this is a job. I never see this pop open. You have to score really high on your ASVAB mm-hmm. to get this. And he's like, you should take this. And they like, I don't know, they got me into it. And then I, <laughs> I literally called my brother that night, my brother, Scott, who was a recruiter. Um, and I'm like, they got me to sign up as an intelligence analyst. And I don't know what the <laughs> hell I did. And I started crying. And he's like, Brittany, what were you thinking? And I was like, I can't change it. I signed the papers. <laughs> So I was like, uh, so I went into the military as an intelligence analyst. Wow. Didn't do anything in the medical field. <laughs> yeah. So how did, so I guess let's just keep going. Um, so you were an intelligence, what is an intelligence, intelligence analyst? So an in, intel analyst, we analyze all sorts of data. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of depends like where you're at, where you're located, what your job is, but There's a lot of, um, I guess in the military, people carry security clearances, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, So I obviously had to have like the highest level. I had a top secret clearance, but what we would do is uh, some of that office work behind the scenes, maintaining Mm -hmm. other people's clearances. If they had to get it renewed, like we would do all that paperwork for them. Um, I actually was assigned to a military police brigade. So my role as an intel analyst there was a little bit different than if you were with combat infantry, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we, because I was uh, at the brigade level, we had a lot of colonels or higher ranking officers walking around in my building. Mm -hmm. Um, These officers a lot of times would travel. So I was stationed over in Germany, um, but they would travel around Europe to train different different soldiers, uh, different police forces over there in Europe. And Mm -hmm. so they would go over there, uh, travel. And what I would have to do is look up threat briefs or creative threat brief. Mm -hmm. So wherever they were traveling to, I'd have to look and see, are there any threats in those areas? What's the weather going to be like? So they know Mm -hmm. how to dress and Mm -hmm. what to be ready for. Uh, so that was what I kind of did there. Um, and then else we did um contingency planning so if there's like uh an embassy an attack on an embassy there's Mm got to be contingency plans okay so if this uh embassy gets attacked what's the plan to get people out of there like so we would work on stuff like that creating that um and then when i was deployed to afghanistan same thing. I, I did um, threat briefs. I did threat analysis. So because I was with the military police brigade, our job over in Afghanistan Stan, was a, two, a TA2 mission. Um, it was train, advise, assist. So our goal, I was there in 2013 to 2014. Our goal was to train the Afghan army um, how to run their prisons. 
because we were pulling out, they wanted to pull all the troops out right around Mm -hmm. the time. And so the, the goal was to uh, train those Afghan soldiers, how to run the prisons. So we were, uh, I was at a base where the, um, I just remembered Casey, your sister. Oh yeah. Um, Steve was actually over there around the same time I was at the base right next to where I was stationed. Yep. What? Yeah. So yeah, she messaged me and said, if you see a redhead check, it might be Steve. (laughs) Did you see him? I never did. (laughs) I didn't get over to that base a whole lot, but, but, uh, yeah, we were, um, there to, to train them. And what I did was sometimes our, some of our guys would drive down to Kabul, uh, the capital, which is about 30 minutes south of us. And they, they drove. And so I would have to, uh, look at the route that they would take, uh-huh. see if there were any threats, um, from the different data that we would get reports in from different types of, uh, at different places. Right. right. Yeah. And so I would just put that into a brief and um, share it with the people that were leaving. So they'd know like, all right, this road, don't take that road because it's got threats. This mm-hmm. is a safer route to go. Um, same thing. They need to know what the weather is going to be like, all that good stuff. Um, and then just kind of like doing uh, briefs about the base. Um, I did a lot of like data looking back at what was going on in um like the past like mm-hmm. history when would they attack the base when would they uh do those things and what can we expect patterns i guess and wow. share that with the people above us yeah wow kind of crazy yeah Jeez. what did you like it did you enjoy doing that uh sure. It was boring. I mean, yeah. it was interesting and I was really good at it. Yeah. But again, it's just sitting behind a desk, typing away, mm-hmm. making PowerPoints all the time. And it was boring. Mm-hmm. So when did you then like get back into the nutrition, the exercise, you know, the medical side of basically things? So I started working on my master's when I was still serving. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working on my master's in science in exercise science from American military university. So it was all online, which was mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, but I ended up taking a nutrition class right before I deployed to Afghanistan. And I like just started getting into nutrition a lot. And then while I was deployed, it's really not a lot to do for fun. So I was like working out every day. I started really paying attention to my nutrition and that's kind of where it started was I just really got into it because I took some of those classes again, um, in the nutrition fitness world. So that's what started it again. So this was back. You said you left in 2013, you were over there for about a year, 2013 to 2014. So back in like 2012 ish is when you started your nutrition class. And like, that's when you kind of started getting into it. Yeah, it was uh, 20, well, 2013 is when I took the nutrition class, but there were some other classes, I mean, for that master's program, but yeah, there was like exercise physiology, nutrition again, um, 
And so being in that environment where I was working out a lot, I'm like paying attention to how the foods Mm -hmm. make me feel. And then when I got back from Afghanistan, I was a sergeant. So I had soldiers underneath me and I was working with them to really help them improve their PT scores and eat better, um, do better with their fitness. And so I felt like that nutrition uh, played a big role and I was able to help some of the soldiers there get better with their eating habits yeah. to support better PT scores too. So that's so you were already kind of incorporating your, you know, what you do now into your work back then. Even. Yeah. A little bit. Wow. And um, what was the choice between nutrition? Why? Like, because you did the exercise science, you thought maybe physical, like a PT or an eight, you know, athletic trainer, um, but that's more not really on the nutrition side. That's more of the exercise therapy and stuff, you know, side, yeah. what made you go towards nutrition rather than the other route? Yeah. So, you know what it really was, it was the fact that while I was serving, you think about military, right? You think everybody's mm-hmm. like fit in a really good shape. And the reality is like, there's actually a lot of people in the military that are overweight and, mm-hmm. um, the reasons that they're overweight is because of not being able to manage their stress very well, using uh, food as a coping mechanism or alcohol as a coping mechanism, um, or they got injured, you know, wear and tear on the body, something happened to them, injuries. And then when that happens, they continue eating like they always have, but now they're not as active. And so what used to be maintenance calories, now they're taking in excess calories because they're not moving as much. And that uh, leads to a lot of people I find in the military gaining too much weight. And then what's the dietitian do in the military, but just throw a, a meal plan at them, say, follow this. And it really does nothing because people don't want to follow a meal plan. It's not realistic for people. It's like, you might be able to stick to it for a little bit, then you get Mm -hmm. bored. So that's what I started seeing happening. And I was like, these people need more help. And that was my goal is like, I'd really love to help the military Mm -hmm. uh, be able to do better with that. So I kind of had some intentions on working with the military after I went back to school for it. Mm -hmm. Um, that route didn't really happen, but I'm happy where I'm at. So yeah. what, what are maintenance calories? You said something so, about maintenance calories. Yeah. Maintenance calories. So where you're eating the amount of calories in a day and it's mm-hmm. equivalent to the amount of calories that you're burning in a day. So okay. you're taking in as much as you're burning in a day, that's going to keep you maintaining your okay. weight. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we have our BMR, our basal metabolic rate, That's the amount of calories that our body burns uh, just to keep us alive. So right now you're breathing, right? Mm -hmm. Your brain is thinking, uh, your blood is circulating through your body. Your body is always burning calories. So that's your basal metabolic rate. When you're sedentary, you're not moving. Um, But then we have calories that our body needs for activity, right? We're getting up, we're walking around, we're uh, active people. So your calorie needs are higher than your basal metabolism. Mm -hmm. And that's where, based on your activity level, that's how you can figure it out. They have like BMR calculators you can go to online, Mifflin St. Gior. That's a really good one, um, but calculator.net. You can literally put in your info and figure out your maintenance calories. So what about BMI? You know, are you big? Uh, there's a lot of 
you know, uncertainty with BMI because of how it can be kind of off based on how tall you are and how much you weigh and stuff like that. So, I mean, yeah, I actually just saw they released um, something the other day. I don't know what day they did it, but I saw an announcement that they finally said that the BMI is no longer a good predictor of health. Nice. Okay. It's not (laughs) like just going back to the military, like my husband, he served too, and he would have to get taped all the time because according to BMI standards, he -hmm. was overweight, but he had a lot of muscle on his body, which makes him way more. So it doesn't take anything into account, like any of your actual blood markers or your muscle mass. So, right. Yeah. Isn't it, it? I thought it was just strictly height and weight. It is. Yeah. And so, yeah, not very good. Yeah. Um, what a, so something you just kind of touched on there, um, misinformation, you know, because BMI that that can be kind of misleading. Yeah. How do we kind of defeat misinformation? Because there's so many people, there's so much stuff out there about people saying do this, and then you have another guy or another girl saying do the exact opposite, and then yeah there's just all this information out there it's frustrating and it is it's confusing i know um i i call it the wild wild west out there Mm -hmm. nutrition on social media these days yes you've got these these influencers that have millions of followers Mm -hmm. or hundreds of thousands of followers and they're telling people not to eat things like oatmeal or lettuce because they have phytates in them. (laughs) Like it's just crazy. It is wild. And honestly, like one of the, the easiest ways to know, um, (laughs) to, to kind of like recognize that somebody is full of BS on Mm -hmm. the internet is if they're talking in absolutes. Like if you see somebody saying, don't eat this, don't eat that. Or if they're saying, um, this food is so bad for you. Like those are people that you should just not follow because those people are uh, just spewing BS Mm -hmm. and they turn around. And if you go to their links in their bio, they're all trying to sell a supplement or something. They all have either some wonky, weird diet program to follow that they sell a template or they are selling supplements that they've invested into. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I want to take that a step further here. What are some misconceptions about nutrition? You know, cause there are a lot of, uh, diets out there, whatever that people might want to look into like cutting out carbs or yeah diet or whatever. So like just some misconceptions that maybe it might be nice for us to look at or think about. One is the need to be perfect. I think that's like one of the number one things is people feel like if they're not eating quote unquote clean, and I hate that word in regards to nutrition, if people aren't eating clean, they suddenly feel like they're off track or off the wagon. And the reality is like, when it comes to our health, it really comes down to also having a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with food comes from getting rid of this, like, um, I guess this mentality where you have good foods and bad foods, Mm. right? 
Mm-hmm. We want to eat in the gray space, which is like there's black and white are our, our, our good foods or bad foods. No, we don't want to look at food like that. Um, food should hold no, no moral values. We want to eat in that gray space. And what that is, is finding a balance of eating fun, uh, fun, low quality foods, I'll say, um, with a balance of nutrient dense foods. That way you get to enjoy, you have fun, you get to eat your Oreos, but you also have some milk with it. And then the rest of the day is balanced, nutrient dense, you know, or even if you're going out to eat, if you want to have the burger, cool, have the burger, but we don't have to look at it like it's all or nothing. Oh, I ate a burger. So I screwed up. And then that leads to that guilt or shame followed by for some people, it's like spiraling out of control for multiple days because they think they need to start eating perfect again. Mm-hmm. And then it takes some time to get back to it, to work up to that. Oh, all right, I'm going to start again. Mm-hmm. And that's a really vicious cycle. I find that so many of my clients have struggled with for years and years and years is that feel that feeling like they have to eat perfect. And if mm-hmm. they eat one of those foods, it suddenly ruins everything. So I'd say that, but that you mentioned it, carbs, carbs are bad. Uh, That is one of the things that so many people I find like they cut out the carbs so much and then they end up going through the day starving because the carbs help support our blood sugars. They, they end up feeling tired in the day um, or irritable because those carbs give us life. <laughs> they really do. And then at the end of the day, they end up binging on Twizzlers or I don't know, M&M's, Skittles, ice cream, all the things. Who's binging on Twizzlers? <laughs> people are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I see it. I see it. Yeah. But And part of that is because the body's undernourished. Mm -hmm. It didn't get what it needed earlier in the day. And now it's like you eat these ultra processed foods that leave us wanting more. It's hard to say no to it, especially when the body's like craving nutrients because you didn't get enough in earlier in the day. Yeah, I'm thinking like it sounds like you're never feeling full, basically. Yeah, you're, you're alluding to a little bit like. You're not like the carbs help us a little bit feel full. Yeah. And yeah. So it almost seems like you're constantly hungry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of people will try to, uh, they feel hungry. They're trying, a lot of people yeah. want to lose weight and they constantly feel hungry across the day. And I tell my clients all the time, like, we don't need to feel hungry. We shouldn't be feeling hungry to lose weight. Yeah. You should be getting hungry, like when it's close to your meal times, but you should be eating these full, like big satiating meals that leave you feeling full that get you to, or like through to your next snack or your next meal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said something, you know, that I think a lot of us have had, and especially, you know, athletes, wrestlers included, um, have an unhealthy relationship with food because um, no matter what athlete you are, really, you're you're probably trying to cut weight, lose weight. Um, you know, you worked with Rutgers Athletics, the football team, mm-hmm. um, among some other sports. I'm sure there were some people who were trying to maybe lose weight. And so they thought food was like, I need to really you know, watch what I eat, you know, which is true to an extent, you know, but 
So how do athletes, like, how do we have a healthy relationship with food as an athlete? Yeah, it's, it's really hard because so much of people's, um, like, I guess thoughts around food, a lot of it really starts when you're young, like, and, and depending on so many of like my female clients, they've been raised with moms who constantly dieted or moms who wouldn't eat at dinner time because they were trying to lose weight, things like that going on. And then it's kind of like turns the, the daughters I'll say, um, I coach males too, but I don't see as much of that happening with my male clients as I do with the female clients. Um, But in the world of sports, it is tough because a lot of them, you know, they want to maintain a a good physique. um, But in order to uh, fuel for performance, you got to eat a lot of food. (laughs) But uh, the, the problem, especially in like collegiate sports, is many of them live in the dorms. Mm. off campus and they're eating on campus during the day or some meals. And a lot of those meals also come with the ultra processed foods too. Yeah. So you go to the dorm or the cafeterias on campus, there's dessert, like tons of it. Yeah. How, you know, a lot of times it's hard to say no to those temptations. And then you're just taking in these excess calories from those things or, the snacking, munching in between, you know, so. Yeah. yeah. How did you then like kind of bridge that? Cause you also uh, interned with the jets. So you said you had your, um, was it your cousin that interned with the trailblazers? My cousin interned with the trailblazers. Yeah. yeah. And so you kind of almost one upped him <laughs> and turned with the New York jets. You know, how, how did you see, you know, athletes, try to balance or what advice did you give to them to help balance the food and the nutrition that they had? Yeah. So with, when I was at the jets, um, for guys that were really trying to work on like cutting weight or if they were trying to bulk, cause it depends, it depends mm-hmm. on what the goal is. Right. But any, for any individual, we really would have them come in, sit down with us and we'd break it down for them as far as, how many calories a day do they need to eat? If you're trying to build muscle or pack on weight, you know, mm. even fat mass for some of those O-linemen or whatever, <laughs> um, trying to just put calories into your body and they need to know like how much that is, how much do they need to be eating in order to make that happen? Um, or if the goal is to lose, they need to be in a calorie deficit to, to lean out. And so we break that down for them and always number one thing to figure out for the athletes is like, how much protein do they need to be eating? And you figure that out. And then from there, then you figure out, all right, there's calories left for carbs and fats. And, um, then you kind of break that down for them further as far as, all right, so what does that look like? What does a daily like meal plan, like how many snacks a day should they be eating if they're trying to boost to get so many calories in a day, if they're trying to gain or build muscle, then they need to be packing in more into those main meals or packing um, more snacks into their day. And of course, you want to try to stay with the more nutrient dense foods, fit some fun foods in there, too. But just for quality sake and performance sake, you want to focus on those nutrient dense foods. 
So you're saying uh, one of the first things that you look at when you look at an athlete is the protein. We It starts with the protein. Am I getting that right? Like, yeah, like, start there. Yeah. Figuring out protein needs first is always going to be beneficial because the protein is what helps support so many things. It helps support your recovery. If you are not getting enough protein, you're not going to be able to rebuild, repair your tissues, and that's going to put you at risk of injury. So you want to avoid that and be taking an adequate protein and just a, a rough, like a rough estimate that works for the general population is one gram per pound body weight. It's a pretty good recommendation for most people. Now, if you're trying to lose weight, like the more weight you have to lose, it goes down. Like the the amount of protein per pound, you want to do a little bit less than that. Mm -hmm. Does it matter or is one protein? Because I've, I've heard, oh man, I'm like, I've heard all over the scale. Like some people are red meat eaters. Some people like to stay with chicken and fish because it seems healthier, leaner or whatever. Like, is there, does it really matter or, you know, if you're vegan? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. point. (laughs) Well, honestly, like just from what I learned in school, right. We always encourage as dietitians, we always recommend trying to be mindful of the amount of red meat you consume. The the general recommendation with that was like always limiting it to like two times per week. But I'd say, is that really necessary? No, it, it's really not because it comes down to what else are you eating surrounding your, in your diet? It's not all just like the meat. Cause if we're eating adequate fiber too, that's going to help support healthy cholesterol levels too. Um, but I, I always say a good variety is best. Yeah. Hmm. So that was actually a question I was going to ask anyway, was how do we, because I love that you, when you, you know, on your Instagram and, and everywhere, you're always promoting, um, giving yourself some grace. Mm-hmm. But how, I mean, that's easier said than done. How do you suggest giving yourself some grace with food while also still being disciplined, you know, and not getting too far off track with, oh my gosh, I just ate this. Oh, geez, I can't eat for a week. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the the balance and and letting go of that perfectionist mentality because, you know, like there's there's definitely times like, and I consider myself a healthy person, right. Mm -hmm. And at a good place with my weight. And I I'll say like, there's times where I still eat a juicy cheeseburger (laughs) and French fries. And the next day I wake up and I'm like, Oh, that just, it's a good reminder of why I don't eat like that all the time, you know? And I think that's where, when you start to eat more healthy and you're doing that, you start to recognize more of like, how those foods make you feel after eating them, like the not as high quality foods. Yeah. They taste really good, but then they leave you feeling kind of crappy or you can end up being really constipated from it or mm-hmm. feeling super bloated. And I find that just that feeling, I, I get a lot of clients that say like, I don't, I don't crave those things like I used to. And also because they're eating more balanced meals, they're feeling more full and satisfied. Whereas a lot of the times cravings for certain things come from just not eating enough. Mm, I feel that. 
I, cause I, I've gone through that. Yeah. You feel bloated or, you know, you eat that, like you're saying the cheeseburger or the greasy food. And yeah. then you're like, Oh, I feel terrible. I don't want to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah. It, it's, you know, we're not 18 or 17 where we're like, Oh man, I could keep eating that all day. You're like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It does. As we get older, you start to notice things. You're more sensitive, you notice, mm-hmm. and it has an impact on your sleep quality, just how you feel overall, how you perform, not, not even like performance in athletics, but just performance with your work. Like you're not able yeah. to focus as good. And if you're yeah. not well, so yeah, but it, it <laughs> that's a, a good question though, with the grace thing though, because you know, we can't, I see some people that say things on social media sometimes and I'm like, yeah, but if they think like that, like always give themselves grace, always giving themselves grace, they're never going to get to their goal. Right. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I focus so much on like building structure, building routine and, and being disciplined, setting, setting your environment up for success. So that way it becomes easier for you. Mm-hmm. So um also how about the healthy relationship with the scale you know um sorry i i look at the scale sometimes i'm like i used to hate the scale you know back cutting weight and all that and to this day sometimes i don't enjoy the number that's on the scale but i can i can shrug it off a little easier but that's always been something and i'm sure a lot of people can agree that the scale is such an unhealthy relationship too with especially if we're not seeing results so yeah you know, how do we sort of maintain or stay on track when we're feel like we're doing everything we can, but we're not seeing results on the scale mm-hmm. in a fashion? Yeah. And I think that's where it's so important to recognize that there's different markers for progress and that the scale should only be like one. It's only one. I feel like so often, though, people get so like stuck on the scale though. And if that scale is not moving, then they don't feel like they're progressing. But I mean, I've worked with so many people that are, that get frustrated with the scale, but their inches are going down. They're feeling better. They're making more meals at home. Their energy is better. But then that flipping scale isn't moving. And they're like, oh my God, this isn't working. <laughs> but that's where you have to just continue to stay focused and keep doing it. Because sometimes too, like if you've gone, if you weren't eating um, consistently, not getting enough protein, your body can go through some recompositioning. And that's why the, the inches sometimes go down. So I always have clients, like my clients, I have them take photos when they get started and I have them take measurements too. So that way we can assess other things. And, you know, I, I have clients right now that are in this boat right now where they're, the scale's not moving, but their inches are down. They're feeling so much better. They're eating better. They're moving their bodies more. So they are progressing, you know, mm-hmm. and that, that scale will follow suit at some point, but sometimes it just takes time. But I think, you know, if the scale is something that really messes with your head and you, if you're somebody that like steps on it, several times a week and it ends up tripping you up all day, like making you have poor decisions because you see a number you don't like, and then you can't digest it. (laughs) You know, you can't like handle it. Then I think it's something that 
get rid of that and follow those other markers of progress. Um, but I do have clients, um, if they're comfortable with it, I have them weigh themselves. Some people weigh themselves daily and then some people weigh themselves, uh, a few times a week. And I feel like with people who do weigh themselves and they just kind of like treat it as data and they don't let emotions get into it. They do so much better with learning about the scale and becoming like a scientist of your own body. Oh, like the scales up today. Why could that be? And you can look back and be like, Oh, well, yesterday I ate a, a cheeseburger and French fries and it had all that salt in there. And today the scale is up and sodium causes water fluctuations. It makes you hold more water. So that could be why the scale is up. Or if you're, working out and you're really sore and the scale's up the next day. You had a great workout. The scale should be down, right? But right. no, it's up because you're inflamed. Your body's holding on to water to help you recover. So there's all these different reasons that that scale can fluctuate. Hmm. If you eat a diet more high in carbohydrates one day, like let's say you're eating pretty balanced, like I'm pretty consistent with my eating. And let's say Tomorrow I ate like zilch for protein and I replaced all of the protein I typically do with carbohydrates. You sure as hell bet tomorrow the scale will be up. And that is because carbohydrates, carbohydrate, mm -hmm. hold water. So <laughs> ah. yeah. <laughs> huh. Wow. Yeah. Um what about and I know you just went through this, so I want to ask you both personally and professionally, um, after pregnancy, mm -hmm. you know, it can be a very stressful and, and tough time for women, you know, who had a number, you know, that they were at before pregnancy and then they get pregnant, they gain this weight and it, it almost sends them into a panic, yeah. you know, because now, you know, they have the baby and maybe the weight's not coming off or they're not getting back to where they used to be. You know, how do you, how do you kind of suggest that somebody who's also going through that at this time to sort of, you know, ease that tension for yourself? Yeah, that's, you know, that grace we were talking about. Right. <laughs> I think after post post-pregnancy, that is one of the most important times to give yourself some grace because so many women are like, they want to bounce right back. We right. want to get back to that pre-baby body, which for many women, that pre-baby body is not ever going to happen. It's just not physically possible to get back there because of the way the body changes. Um, but for some, we, for some women with genes, like it does, it is possible. You know, we also have our genetics at play and for some people it, it makes it a lot harder. Um, but I'd say like the reason with giving yourself that grace is a lot of women will breastfeed after having the baby. And it's very tough because in order to breastfeed, you got to be taking in enough calories to be able to have adequate supply for the or the breast or for the milk production. And it's like to be able to get enough calories in and then also trying to focus on weight loss. Well, if you start bringing calories down like too much, you might dip your supply and now the baby's not getting the nutrients and then you have to turn to formula, which not bad. I did. I did. I couldn't get enough milk. So I had formula and breast milk. But um, I think that 
as long as you're focusing on taking those actions, like you're setting some goals for yourself. It's like that. You ever hear that? Like 1% better every day, 1% better every day. It's like, just set a goal for yourself, set little habits that you want to work on each week. And over time, it's like building a solid foundation. Are you getting adequate water? Are you getting adequate protein? Are you getting enough carbs? Are you moving your body enough and adding those things and just building a rock solid foundation? So that way you're, you're going to improve when you're doing those things. Mm -hmm. So do you suggest, um, a journal, a food journal, nutrition journal, is that something that you, or is there an app that you recommend? Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to, especially for, I would say, a lot of people wanting to lose weight, but even if you're trying to build muscle, um, I went through this just a couple of years ago with trying to really like bulk and add muscle on, but I recommend the app, my fitness pal. Um, it's, I think I've heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what it does instead of having to like old food journals, people would write down all the foods they ate in the day. Then you had to look up like how many calories does it have? And you add it all up. Well, the app will do that for you. Um, so you can like scan barcodes or you can search. There's a search and you can type in the name of the food and it will come up and then you can select the amount that you eat. And, uh, from there, then you can strive. Like if you're trying to build muscle, you want to be eating like two, 300 calories or more over your maintenance calories. And, uh, then you can see if you're hitting your goals, your targets with that. Hmm. Okay. So my fitness pal, yeah, there's some other ones out there. Um, there's like one called chronom chronometer chronometer. I don't know. I've never used that one. There's another one called lose it. There's some different ones, but yeah, they'll do the um, same thing. Yeah. Uh, now I want to ask a little bit about you and what you do. All right. Um, one of the questions is about Freedom Nutrition Academy. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, and it's just, what is it? What is, you know, what do you have to do with it? And how do we get invested into Freedom Nutrition Academy? So Freedom Nutrition Academy is my business. Uh, It started out me, just solely me, one man show. Um, (laughs) But I eventually brought on another coach onto my team. And that's where I decided to change the name and make it something bigger. And down the road, I would like to bring more coaches onto my team. Um, But what we do is it's a macros based approach to nutrition. And the reason I named it with Freedom is because I really want so badly to help so many men and women break free of dieting, break free of diet culture, all those crazy people telling you not to eat this, not to eat that, you know, don't eat carbs. Carbs are bad. Like I want people to be able to break free of all that nonsense because it's not true. And it's just hurting people. The more and more that people go on these fads and quick fix diets, or the more they hear these things and do it, the harder it is for them to reach their goals because they just get lost in this world of craziness that makes it sucks the life out of you, like all those rules, all those restrictions. And it just makes it really, really challenging to reach your goals. So that's where that freedom comes in is 
I want people to learn. And I have clients track, use the app, the macronutrients, which will help them figure out where their calories should be. And then like what their protein goal should be um, in order to help them reach their goal, whether that is losing weight, building muscle, or trying to maintain and just improve their energy levels or improve their relationship with food. Mm-hmm. So the app, it's to help them build awareness and see like, how many calories are, am I taking in, in a day and, and start to learn about foods. Like I once had a guy, like my guy clients once, uh, he ate a whole can of cashews and he logged it. And it was like over 3000 calories for this can of cashews. And he was like, but they're, but they're healthy fats, right? And I was like, yeah, they are healthy fats, but you don't need that much of them. <laughs> but that's like the types of things like people learn and you start to see, oh, wow, like a half an avocado, like that is a lot of calories. And if you're trying to lose weight, Although avocados are great for us, we have to be mindful of the amounts of those foods that we're consuming because they can get out of control. Um, So that's where using that app comes into play for people. And I know tracking isn't for everybody. Some people like the tracking can add more stress to life. And I think that that's where it's, it's so much better for people that if you're tracking and it's causing stress, like that's where you're better off just picking some habits and utilizing like a good old habit tracker, like checking the boxes. All right. My goal today is to get 30 grams of protein with each meal. Or my goal is to, um, eat two fists of veggies Mm -hmm. and at least two meals today, something like that. Simple. All right. So that made me think of, um, you know, you just said 30 grams of protein. Okay. Mm-hmm. This, some people sh- are struggle with this because this is a lot of work. All right. I need to know, I need to figure out 30 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. I need to meal prep. I need to buy all these good foods that are typically more expensive, you know? So how can we kind of get the best of both worlds there where it's like, you're still getting the the food that you need, but maybe at a cost that benefits you, um, you know, because healthier foods tend to be a little bit more expensive. I think that it's kind of a, a little bit of a myth there with the healthy really? food being more expensive. Nice. Good. Thank you. If you're trying to buy organic. Yeah. That's going to be more expensive, but okay. I mean, rice is super cheap and beans super cheap. And they're great sources of carbohydrates. You can really find a lot of things that are cheaper to utilize to to hit your goals. You don't have to be buying organic foods or non-GMO foods. I find some of those crazy influencers, you'll watch them. They're telling you to buy Ezekiel bread, which is like $7 a loaf. I'm like, buy your good old Pepperidge Farms, $3 a loaf, look for a whole wheat, one that has like at least three grams of fiber per slice, you're good to go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, um, and people will say like, eat ghee. I've never bought ghee in my life. because don't even know what that is. Price and it's like ridiculous. I'm like, yeah. it, it's just some of those things. Like, I feel like they're... I don't know. They just promote superfoods and and make you feel like you have to eat these things to be healthy. But the reality is, no, I don't. I don't buy a lot of those crazy things. Nice. Wow. You just kind and of. I, there. I, was like, I also don't 
really take hardly any supplements either. And that's mm-hmm. another thing. So many people will spend dollar after dollar on supplements and no, it's like, you don't need that stuff. Buy groceries, healthy foods and incorporate those in. What about like all the protein shakes or muscle milks or anything like that kind of the same thing? Like you don't necessarily need that if you're eating what you should be eating. Exactly. You don't need protein shakes. Most days I don't drink protein shakes every now and then I'll drink them because it's convenience. It's easy to get that protein in. You know, if I recognize like at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I know I didn't get enough protein because I didn't eat a snack in the afternoon or like a yogurt or something. I'll be like, all right, I'll just drink that shake or drink some milk. (laughs) You get some protein in that way. So, yeah, but, but the, you know, protein shakes, nothing wrong with them. It's just a matter of, um, convenience. So it can be a helpful way, but I always say like, really try to get your protein from food first, because it's going to leave you more full and satisfied than a shake will. The one thing we haven't really touched on yet is liquids, you know, um, what about liquids? You know, where should, what should we be drinking? Obviously, the obvious question is water, you know, but water. there's so much other stuff out there. Juices, oh, yeah. sodas, coffees, you name it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to weight maintenance, um, keeping yourself at a healthy weight, alcohol, oof, alcohol's got to go. I mean, yeah. a moderation with alcohol, but I find that so many people, the, the reason the calories can just tack on so quickly is from alcohol because alcohol also you lose your inhibitions and then you don't make good food choices with it either. Mm -hmm. But that, and then calorie sweetened beverages, like coffee, morning coffee drinks, you know, going like people going into Starbucks and buying the things that have like a bunch of whipped cream on top or the frozen ones are much worse than that even. (laughs) So, um, being mindful of that, you should really try to get at least like half your body weight in ounces of water per day. So if you're 120 pounds, that's like 60 ounces of water per day. If you're not even getting close to that, like set a goal lower and work your way up to it. That's, mm-hmm. um, but there's a lot of um, products on the market these days, like these uh, electrolytes. I feel like that's the big thing right now. That's like the hot supplement. Everybody's like trying to get this liquid IV stuff. Mm -hmm. And the reality is most people don't need electrolytes like athletes. Yeah. They need electrolytes to replace, replenish. But if, uh, if you're a person that's just going to work and maybe you do like an hour or less workout in the day, you don't need electrolytes. You're getting your um, electrolytes, sodium, you're replenishing that the food that you're eating is going to have that in there. Salt, sodium, that's salt. So we get plenty of salt in the American diet, I find. Mm -hmm. So I just, it's one of those things it's hot right now and people make money off it. So I, I really appreciate you saying that because I agree. I feel like, I mean, electrolytes are for the athletes who are working really hard mm-hmm. and they need to replenish, you know, yeah. but just because you're outside working doesn't mean like, Oh man, I need a Gatorade. No, you need some water to rehydrate yourself. Right. Yeah. You know? 
Yeah. And that's even, even when I worked with athletes, like it was, if, if it was an hour or less workout, we're like, here, drink water workouts. We're going beyond that. That's where then we start adding in electrolytes or for some of them, we would have them pay attention and weigh themselves before practice and after to see how much they lost. If they lost a pound or more in practice, we would have them tack on an electrolyte replacement drink, a Gatorade or a Powerade. Body armor. <laughs> well, back they all have those um, right. ships at the school. Yeah. You know, every, everywhere I worked was always Gatorade. I think, except for Iowa State, was Powerade way back in the day. Really, Iowa State was Powerade. Huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. a million years ago. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I had a Powerade. To be honest, Me I neither. don't. Yeah, but and Gatorade, you know, with kids, like it, it's one of those things. Yeah, just focus on water, but. Kids mm. like I, I see a lot of moms like fear Gatorade. Oh, it's too much sugar. Well, yeah. if the kids are out there playing in the heat and they're sweating, like it's okay to give a kid a Gatorade. They need the sugar to and the the um electrolytes that are in there, the sodium, potassium, the chloride, and that's gonna help them recover. So mm-hmm. don't be afraid of that. But it's not something we should be drinking all across the day. Yeah. Yeah. What about people who almost, I won't say they live and die by coffee, but like, you know, they're, they're just huge coffee drinkers. Um, How do we find a healthy replacement for coffee to get our energy, our caffeine or whatever we need to like get ready for the day? It's called sleep. Yeah. It's it's sleep. It's a vicious cycle because coffee has a, um, they say the half-life on coffee, like coffee will sit in your system on average up to eight hours. So yeah. So you should really try to cut your coffee off by like caffeine, caffeine, coffee, uh, uh, Red Bulls, whatever it is, at least like three o'clock in the afternoon, like no caffeine after that. Cause otherwise it's going to affect your sleep quality and it's a stimulant. So what's it do? Your brain's trying to wind down, go to sleep. And you've still got that caffeine in your system. It's harder to fall asleep. You may be like, Oh, I, I fall right asleep. Yeah. But your brain isn't really sleeping. It's not getting the proper recovery that it should. Hmm. It's a, it's a cycle though. And you have to break, break free of that caffeine because to let go of it, people are like, Oh, but I'm so tired. Well, cut it off, start cutting down slowly. And cause you will have withdrawals. Like if you're going from like six, 800, I don't know, more than that milligrams of caffeine a day, and then you cut it out completely, you'll probably get headaches. It'll probably be hard. Um, so I always say, just cut it down slowly, like one less a day or something. And then break free of it. Cause it's a really vicious cycle. If you have sleep, crappy sleep quality, then you wake up the next day, you're tired what are you going to do? You're going to turn to more caffeine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a cycle. You got to break. Wow. So but. you're sleeping, but your brain is still active or more mm-hmm. active than it should be. Yeah. Yep. Wow. And also just to caveat on that sleep is one of the most important habits that I think it like people truly underestimate the importance of sleep and sleep controls so much of our habits in the day. If we're not getting adequate sleep, then our sleep quality or our 
our diet quality is going to decrease because when you're not eating properly, you have hormones that work against you. There's a hormone called ghrelin and it simulates your appetite. There's a hormone called leptin and it leaves you feeling satisfied. When you don't get enough sleep, ghrelin increases, making you more hungry, have more cravings and leptin decreases. So you don't feel satisfied. So what do you think that does? It makes people just want to eat all day long. (laughs) And people, clients say that to me. They're like, oh, I got such crappy sleep. I was so snacky today. Like if you feel that difference. So Hmm. what is so sleep? How much? So what do you recommend for sleep? I know. I think I feel like the thing was recently it's recommended nine hours now instead of eight. I don't I, know. I don't know. I never, I didn't see that recommendation, okay, okay. but yeah, it might be. Um, but I've always, what do you recommend seven to eight plus hours per night? Yeah. Is it, is how about oversleeping? Cause I, I kind of have an issue with that sometimes, uh, yeah. oversleeping. Yeah. I mean, there are a number we shouldn't go over. Like if you are at 10 hours, get out of bed or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I would say 10 hours is probably the max because you're at that point, then the rest of the day, like it's just productivity. You just don't have enough time for other things in the day and you're not going to have enough time to like move your body. You'll probably feel more overtired because of sleeping too much. Yeah. Sleep is like, I'm learning more and more that sleep is almost one of the most, if not the most important thing, or, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep, almost everything else goes away. Yeah. Cause you don't have energy to go work out. You don't have that pep in your step to go for a walk. Mm-hmm. You just want to sit. Yeah. yeah. I just want to yeah. do that now, but yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what is something I want to ask about like your clients that you kind of are getting, this is pretty typical that I think everyone should probably know. Like I've been seeing this as a pattern in most people. So like, what is something that if you've noticed that we should be aware of and maybe we're even subconsciously doing, but it's like, mm, I've seen this a lot. Um, I would say that a lot of people are spending way too much time on social media. There it is. Okay. Yeah, that is one of the biggest problems. I think that's causing people like it just sucks energy and and time out of their days and they just get so stuck in it. And I mean, I think the social media is worse than like binging Netflix these days. But I mean, we can add lump those together, too. But TV and social media, but the mindless scrolling at night, I see so many people just like going to bed and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And then they're tired and don't feel motivated to work out or they don't have the energy to meal prep. They're too tired. And it all comes down to being on that phone way too much. It really is a big, big problem right now. Mm. What? Okay. Do you have a number for like average screen time? I have a number. I, I want to know first before I tell you my average screen time for the past week, but do you have like a number that you want it to be at? 
No, honestly, I don't even like track that. I should. I should have clients. My, I, my iPhone tracks it for me. It pops up for me and tells you this is what your screen time was this week. So, yeah, I have no idea. Okay, here we go. I think my last one was like four hours and 21 minutes a day. Four hours. Yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> I think the national, so there's this registry. It's called like the National Weight Law. What is it? NW. Let me look at it. National Weight Control Registry. So this is a registry where they followed people who have lost weight. Like, and these people have lost anywhere from like 30 pounds or more, might even go down to like 10 or 20 pounds, but they've lost weight and kept it off for years. Okay. Mm -hmm. So these people, like they've done surveys over time for years and years and years. And one of the things they said in there is like, one of the habits that people who have maintained their weight loss have is that they limit their, um, their television time to like one hour per day, one hour. Now I don't know what screen time, I'm sure that's something that they're probably tracking now to give us more data on later, mm -hmm. but, um, that's, and they also, um, exercise or move their bodies at least for an hour every day, mm -hmm. most of them too. So cut that screen time down and get yourself moving. Hmm. All right. Okay. <laughs> Ugh, damn. Yeah. There's limits on there. So like you can go. Oh, really? in. Yeah. So you can set limits. It's called downtime or within like in your settings, in your iPhone, you can go in and you can set limits. There's like one thing with downtime where you can set it. So that way, um, and I used to have mine on for a long time because I used to like scroll at night and it became a problem, yeah. but it, you can go in and set it so that all these different apps, you can shut off all these different apps. So like all your social media things, you turn it on from like nine o'clock at night until 8am tomorrow morning. So all those apps are off. And you can actually set a password there. So like somebody else would have to put in the password mm -hmm. to allow you to get that. And it doesn't like you can leave certain things so you can still get messages. Like if you're worried, like, I don't know if you're divorced and your kids are somewhere else, like you can still get phone calls and things like that. You don't have to. Worry. Yeah. Yeah. Emergencies. Yeah, exactly. But just using that can help. And then there's screen limits too. You can set it for certain apps, like a screen limit for um, Instagram or Facebook to like an hour per day or whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Have you heard of the three, two, one ordeal? Mm -hmm. Not an ordeal, but like basically you don't eat three hours before you go to sleep. You don't use your phone two hours before you go to sleep and you don't drink water one hour before you go to sleep. Like that'll help. I've never heard it laid out like that. that. But so the three hours. Something like that. I think it's three hours is food. Two hours is phone. And one hour is water or liquids, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, I would say I would agree with that for the most part. The eating before bed, I'd say maybe like two hours is okay. It kind of yeah. depends on your body there. like And what you eat probably. Yeah. Yeah, if you're eating Twizzlers, like <laughs> nobody's eating Twizzlers. <laughs> Who's buying Twizzlers? <laughs> I know. Um, gosh, sorry. Uh, I just have a couple more questions. I actually have a lot more, but I got to probably narrow it down. Um, 
The other day you posted something about flexibility versus restriction when it comes to healthy eating. Mm -hmm. And I just was wondering what that was. I, I just didn't know what you meant by that restriction versus flexibility. And that, that kind of goes off of what I was talking about earlier with um, the pedestals. Like you have your good foods and bad foods categorizing them. Um, We don't want to live in a life where you're feeling restricted. I think that what's so much more helpful for people to build healthier habits is using an abundance mindset. Like, okay, I want to eat less of those ultra processed foods, the Twizzlers, (laughs) (laughs) donuts, right? All the processed foods. So you want to cut down on those things in your diet. Well, how do we do that? Let's add more of, I'm going to add more protein to my meals. I'm going to add more fruit into my day. I'm going to add more vegetables. I'm going to take away screen time. You're cutting out, but what are you adding more of? I'm cutting down on screen time because I'm adding more walking into my lifestyle. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're you're making room for the things that make you that one percent better every day, mm-hmm. and it keeps you with a flexible. I, I guess it keeps you flexible and and letting go of the perfection thing because you can still work the fun in. You can still have a cheeseburger, but mm-hmm. let go of the guilt behind it. Don't feel bad about eating a cheeseburger. Own it. Enjoy the freaking cheeseburger. <laughs> Don't feel bad about it. Then just turn around. You know, you might wake up. Your stomach doesn't feel as good, but that's okay. Embrace that you're going to eat out. Embrace that you're going to eat foods that aren't healthy. Mm-hmm. And, and know that that's okay. It's okay to incorporate those foods in. But let go of the guilt or shame around that because then you can balance it out and keep yourself from getting into that like all or nothing mindset with food. Mm-hmm. Gosh. Yeah. It just, when you were talking about that, it just reminded me of like just almost everyday life. Okay. You know, gosh, I didn't mow the lawn today. Well, I'm not feeling guilty about it. I mean, yeah. you might be a little bit, but it's not affecting you or, Oh, I wanted to do this and I didn't, um, but when it came, when it comes to food, a lot of us will feel really guilty and like almost like shame ourselves because we had one little mishap. Right. You know, I like life. how you put that though. Like I didn't mow the lawn. I should have mowed the lawn, but do you feel guilty about it? Like, are you left with this <laughs> long, long guilt? No. Right. Do I spiral out of control because I made a mistake at work? No, I yeah. just, okay, whatever. Okay. I move on from it. You know, but when it comes to eating, I have, I've been one of those people that like, well, I've already screwed up for the day. So I'm just going to continue eating and drinking that Mountain Dew that I bought or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that what, what's a really good mindset to help keep you out of the cycle is when you eat something that's not as healthy, ask yourself when you go to eat your next meal, what was lacking in that last meal? Like what was lacking? So was it color, like fruits and veggies? Was it lacking protein? Was it lacking fiber? Like fibers in the fruits and veggies or whole grains, right? right? So whatever was lacking in it, all right, try to get that in your next meal. Try to get that in your next meal. And that helps you stay out of the cycle of that all or nothing. Nice, yeah, yeah. Don't, you know, just because you didn't have fruits in your one meal doesn't mean that, you know, like, we'll just have them in the next one. Relax. 
Yeah. And have fruits in the next, like compensate or, you know, when you don't have in one meal, have in the next. Like, I don't know why that just blew my mind, but it did. I was like, gosh, that's right. Like, just because don't beat myself up because I didn't have fruits. Mm -hmm. I hate nutrition, but I love it, but I hate it. (laughs) You know, it's, it's crazy. It is. Um, What are, I guess, what are empty calories? Empty calories are like, what are in the the sugary beverage that's in front of you? (laughs) So like, you know, the alcohol, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, those are just calories. Yeah. So empty calories are foods that are giving you calories. Like for example, added sugars, right? Like sugar added into things. There's no nutrients in there. Yeah. There's carbs, there's carbs in it, but there's no fiber. It doesn't have vitamins and minerals in there. So like alcohol calories, those to me are dead calories. They literally do nothing for you. (laughs) Yeah. Your body recognizes them as a toxin and just tries to get it out of your system as fast as possible. But yeah, added sugars, um, that's going to be empty calories. Okay. What is your opinion on fasting? How, like, you know, I feel like that's kind of a big deal, you know, fasting, you know? Yeah. So fasting, the, the research has shown that with, with fasting, like intermittent fasting, (laughs) a lot of people want to do it for something called autophagy, um, which is like our bodies, like constantly, we're like, we have cells that are dying. Right. And then we're, we have cells like new cells that are growing. Um, but that autophagy helps to like get the old cells out and it helps it's, it's supposed to support our longevity. Right. Mm. But the reality is like this cellular autophagy thing, there's been no benefits shown, uh, with intermittent fasting, when compared to like the equivalent of eating in a calorie deficit um, or exercising. Mm -hmm. So like, you don't have to do it. Like intermittent fasting, it can work for some people. There's been some people that have been successful um, because it's helped them like narrow down that window of eating, which Mm -hmm. has helped them create a calorie deficit to help them lose weight. Um, But it just doesn't have the benefits that all these people think it does. Okay. So. Gotcha. Cause that's something that me and my wife, Ashley have kind of like try, we kind of play around, but I think part of it also is we're not like very structured or strict with it. So that doesn't help. But um, um, another question, I got lots of them, but I'm almost done here. (laughs) Um, Starches. Mm-hmm. What do you, are starches a thing? Potatoes, peas, like, mm-hmm. or do you see them as, do you put them in a, you know, vegetable category or are they starches? Yeah. I put them in a veggie category. Okay. So I eat them. Lots of them. You eat them? You eat <laughs> lots of them? Yeah. Actually, they did a study, I believe it was over in Germany and they compared foods, um, to what was the food? I think it was white bread, but they looked at how long foods like leave you feeling satisfied and boiled potatoes were like the carbohydrates that left people the most satiated, which is kind of crazy because carbs in the wild, wild west, like potatoes are so bad. Right. Um, But yeah, starch. I, I think that when it comes down to it, like 
we can't just like say, oh, starches are bad for us. Like starch potatoes have potassium, um, sweet potatoes, right? Potassium, you've got the vitamin A there. There's so many nutrients and fiber that we get with these. And then they're a powerhouse for carbohydrates, which mm-hmm. are our best source of energy. So I think that it's again, one of those rules that's out there that we don't need to listen to. But when we eat those, we should pair them with a protein most of the time if we can and some vegetables, because just eating starches alone can cause our blood sugar to spike up higher. When you pair it with protein and fiber, your blood sugars are gonna stay more stable and you'll feel more full and satisfied and energized for longer. Good. Good. That's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Ashley, she, she loves the potatoes and the peas. Those are her two favorites, you know, yeah. and starch kind of gotten to her a little bit. And so, mm-hmm. but okay. Yeah. No need to worry there. Good. Good. Um, before I let you go, I just want to promote what you're doing. So you, where can people, so you have your freedom nutrition Academy. All right. If people are listening and want to get a hold of you or want to sign up, like where can they go and where should they go to sign up or get a hold of you? Yeah. So I'm on social media, Instagram, it's nutrition underscore coach underscore Brittany. Um, and where you can type my name, Brittany De Silva, Facebook, it's just my name. I do have a Facebook group, um, Freedom Nutrition Academy. And then I also have a website, freedomnutritionacademy.com. So you can find me there. Uh, I do one-on-one coaching. And what that looks like is um, we have clients sign up and then we have them get that app. My fitness pal will help build awareness surrounding like your current eating habits and help meet you where you're at. So not changing everything all in like one day. Right. Um, but it's like making small changes to help you develop these healthy habits, like the different things and build a really rock solid foundation with all the habits that support good health, like adequate sleep, um, adequate nutrition, enough water, um, enough movement, all the things and stress management. Right. So we'll work with our clients one-on-one and we have weekly check-ins with them. And then we also support them with texting during the week. If they have questions in between check-ins, they can reach out to us at any time and ask us questions. Or if they're freaking out about something, we can be there to talk them off the ledge. <laughs> so that's what's really nice about it um, is that uh, accountability, but that's how that works. And it's all virtual, which is really convenient for people. So, um, yeah, that's, that's how nice. it I love it. And the reason why I was so excited to have you on was because of your positivity with our relationship with food. Um, like I said, I feel like athletes and, and to be honest, wrestlers specifically do have a really rough relationship with food because especially when we were growing up, you know, you yeah. being around the sport you saw how little we ate or how much we didn't want to eat, or we were afraid to eat because of what it would do and how much weight we would gain. But everything that you're posting on your Instagram, like it's just so awesome. You're so positive and helpful with being able to eat what we want mm-hmm. and not feel so terrible about it. Yeah. It's just, okay. You did that. You got that out of your system. Now let's get back on track. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I appreciate 
you know, your approach. And that's, again, a big reason why I wanted you on. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, And that it's, I'm glad that they've made some um, rules around that with nutrition uh, or with the regulations and the the dropping weight with high school athletes there. Because, yeah, yeah, it was really unhealthy there for a while. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, especially, you know, really, especially when you were in high school, Mm -hmm. you know, back in the early 2000s, like I remember there were some wrestlers that were pretty look pretty ghostly. Yeah. You know, I remember that Got a little bit better when I was getting through. And then when I got out, I think it is when it started to really get better as well. But yeah, back when you were in high school. Yeah. Cause it's just, if you're not feeling adequately, like what use are you on the mat? If you don't feel good because you've been starving yourself to hit this certain weight when you're starving yourself, you're losing muscle mass too. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. you're cutting out the carbs, which help preserve your muscle mass. And then you're losing muscle and your strength is everything on the mat. You need that. So, yeah. I remember we would eat like the lean cuisines or the little banquet meals. That would be like our meal or supper for the night. Yeah. (laughs) Imagine how bad those are for you, but. (laughs) Probably high in sodium. (laughs) Yes. Which what I found out is sodium helps hold water. Yeah. So that can lead the scale to go up. Exactly. Yes. Gosh. Yeah. Um, yeah. I appreciate you coming on though. This yeah, is very, very, very informative and something that I've even struggled with. So it was even just beneficial for me to listen, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Brittany De Silva for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to this podcast. You can also check me out on Twitter, Instagram, and my brand new Facebook page to hear more of my content. And don't forget, check out my website at letstalkwrestlingpodcast.my.canva.site. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Take care. See you next time.